0: The following audio presentation is from Parkwood Baptist Church. The purpose of Parkwood Baptist Church is to glorify God by laboring together for the growth of all believers while going with the gospel to all peoples. More information about Parkwood Baptist Church is available at parkwoodonline.org. That's parkwoodonline.org. Genesis 1, 1. What I want to invite you to do, brothers and sisters, is to join me now in expository exaltation. What is that? There's a false dichotomy in many of your minds. We do the worshiping and then we do the preaching. I'm asking you to join me as I worship God in preaching, that you worship Him in the receiving of His Word. This is not a segment that is different. It is the preaching of God's word that reveals who God is and leads our hearts and minds to worship him. This is a firm conviction of this local church. It doesn't make it true because we believe it, but we believe it. That all scripture is breathed by God. We believe and uphold the inerrancy, the sufficiency, the necessity, the clarity, the authority of scripture. This is God's word. And this is what I want you to think with me this morning. This is his first words. These are his very first words to us. So with reverence, would you stand as we hear the word of the Lord? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth let's pray right away oh god our attention is drawn that this is about you this is about who you are and what you have done so grab our minds and our hearts this day and lead us to yourself God, I would pray that I would not be in any way a hindrance to your word coming to your people. Spirit of God, lead now. Lead us as both I preach and my friends here, here and those who are gathered on the internet here. This is the word of God. Speak, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I trust there will be multiple paradigm shifts that will happen for you today. The first one is this. One of the reasons many of you have trouble with the Old Testament and the book of Genesis in particular is because you approach the Old Testament and Genesis as a series of hero stories. It's not what the Old Testament is, friend. The Old Testament is a hero story. It's about the hero, it's about God. It's good news, therefore it is gospel. And what I want you to particularly see today is that God is the good news, that God is the gospel. Because the Bible first and foremost is a revelation concerning God. It's written in multiple genres, written over multiple centuries by 40 different authors. But it's about one thing. Genesis is historical narrative. In other words, it's a story that is historically accurate. It doesn't have all the historic details included in it. It's not just a history book. It's a story and the necessary items that we need historically are contained. But God is the main character. And we know this both because of the content of the Bible in a whole, and we know it particularly because of the way it begins. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The purpose of this opening statement is twofold it establishes for us and identifies the Creator. And it explains to us the origin of the world. It's a quote. Unintelligible good news is not even news, let alone good. Unintelligible good news is not even news, let alone good. Many of you have been confronted with this in your life. You've been to a church. You've heard somebody like me, maybe even me, get up and preach. And you went, I don't, what is that? What in the world is he talking about? What's that got to do with anything? Hear me, friends. Genesis chapter one is a clear and concise explanation. And verse one begins with a clear and concise explanation of God. Now, hear me. It's not exhaustive. In other words, it doesn't tell you everything about God you need to know, but it is clear. And it is crucial. It reveals to us, at least, at least, I'm just going to identify four, it it reveals to us four things. First, the good news of the living God. In the beginning, God. Now the word in Hebrew here for God is Elohim. E-L-O-H-I-M. It is the most common word in the Old Testament when referring to the deity. It's just, well, not just like it is similar to our English word God, because that word can be used to talk about a pagan God, multiple gods. Here it is used to tell us who the one true living God is, the God who communicates and the God who does things. And what is So striking about God's creation of everything is that God is introduced simply as the one who existed before anything in our universe. Psalm 90 verse 2, which was read earlier uh, in the service, says, Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth from the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. So God has no beginning point and no ending point. From everlasting to everlasting, he is God. It is important to note that here in Genesis 1-1, at the very beginning of the Old Testament, there are no explanations of the proofs of the existence of God. The Bible presupposes the being of God. It does not need to be proven. Scripture here stands, as all of Scripture stands, on this truth. God is He is from everlasting to everlasting. Turn over to Jeremiah chapter 10. Jeremiah chapter 10. The prophet Jeremiah says, there is none like you, O Lord. You are great and your name is great in might. Who would not fear you, O king of the nations? For this is your due. For among all the wise ones of the nations and in all their kingdoms, there is none like you. They are both stupid and foolish. The instruction of idols is but wood. Beaten silver is brought from Tarshish and gold from Euphrates. They are the work of craftsmen and of the hands of the goldsmith. Their clothing is violet and purple. They are all the work of skilled men. In other words, here's what the prophet's saying. You're just worshiping idols. You're worshiping something that is created by man, And God, the Lord God, He's not like those idols. He's not like the inventions of man. Verse 10, the Lord is the true God. He is the living God as opposed to these dead gods. He is the living God and the everlasting King. He is the one who demands our full attention. So you ever talk to television? I do it often when I use this loosely, the Reverend Jesse Jackson came on on January the 29th and made this statement. I talked back to the TV that the God of Genesis is the same God of Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. No. No. The God of Genesis is the God of the Christian Bible. I'll have more to say about this as we unfold. He is the living God. Now, you think about this. When Genesis 1 was written by, does anybody know who the author of Genesis is? Moses. The children of Israel are surrounded by pagan gods, they're everywhere. So this is how God speaks to his people who were surrounded by pagan gods. Does this sound familiar? As we are surrounded by pagan gods, the way God speaks is in the beginning, God. He makes himself known as from the onset as the living God who has no beginning or end. Makes himself known, which leads me to my second point. The good news of the living God who makes himself known. So the question is, how does he make himself known? There's a two-fold answer to this. We start with this: "In the beginning, God, what? What's the next word? Created. In the beginning, God created. This is a quote from James Montgomery Boyce, who, by the way, didn't just preach one sermon. For those of you who are panicking about this one sermon on one verse or thinking, we're going to be in Genesis until Jeff Long dies. No, six months. We're gonna work our way through it in six months approximately. Boyce preached four sermons on on verse one, four. That's how crucial this verse is. He said, quote, false philosophies err because they begin with man or matter and work up to God. If indeed they go so far, in other words, even to get to God. Genesis stands against them all when it begins with God and sets himself forth as the originator of all things. So in other words, everything else has got to line up to him. He has made himself known in the act of creation. Or to say it this way, creation reveals to us God. I'm in Romans chapter 1. In Romans 1, verse 18, talks about the wrath of God's being revealed from heaven against ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by unrighteousness suppress the truth. So this is what, what men, when men want to sin and do what they want, they suppress the truth. They hold it down, they press it down. And they don't just press it down, they try to get rid of it. This is just a sidebar for a second. Because human beings in the United States, in the West, want to have sex any way they want to, they are suppressing the truth, holding it down, and beginning to call us bigots because of it. This is going to be the core issue with Christianity. It's because people want this held down. They don't want this truth out. Now, how could they get there? Here's how they got there. Because now for decades, over a century, we've been holding down a very core truth. And that is that God is the creator. Romans says, go ahead and try, too bad. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in things that have been made. So they are without excuse. Excuse. So in other words, every time somebody walks outside, every time somebody looks in a mirror or watches their hand work, they are confronted with the with the with the truth that God creates. That it is God who has made and it is clearly perceived since the creation of the world. What do you see from creation? His eternal power and his divine nature. Now here's what's crucial for you to understand. What Romans one is arguing is that it is sufficient, that creation is sufficient to draw you to this conclusion. There is a God and a God who creates. Here's what it's insufficient to do. It is insufficient to save. So my fishing buddies, and I have one of them who argues with me constantly. Well, I worship the Lord more than you do at the church. I'm down on the lake and every time I see the sun come up and catch me a big old bass, I'm worshiping God. Nope, you're worshiping nature. Yeah, you got this inkling in your head. There's a God. But what that what that leads you to is to deal with this God. Turn to Psalm 19. I'll unfold a little matter. I told you when you see he's made himself known, there's two things you got to deal with. God's made himself known in creation and he's doing something in Genesis one that you're not consciously thinking about how God has made himself known. Let me clear it up. Romans 9, excuse me, excuse, Psalm 19, verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. So yesterday on social media, a young woman from this local church posted a picture of a sunset, made some comment about how sunsets grab you. Why? Why, why do sunsets grab you? Why, why do you want to take pictures of sunset and share them on Instagram and Facebook? Because sunset says, God! The heavens declare the glory of God. Look at verse seven now. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. So those of us who can look and say, okay, there's God, but I don't quite get it. Then how do I, how do I know there's God clearly? Because God has spoken. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. So here's, here's what's happening in, 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 in Genesis 1:1. 1, 1, God's saying, creation points to who I am. But I'm telling you that's who I am. How does God create? How does he create? Genesis 1. God, next word, God said God said and there was so God speaks and creation is declaring to us the glory of God and his word then makes clear to us who God is and what God has done that he is the living God who creates in the beginning God created so the audience here third point The audience is to understand that the creation account is principally about God. It's not about creation and humankind. It's theocentric, it is God centered, it is not man centered. So here's one of the things Genesis 1 1 confronts us on in Genesis 1. God's not the universe. So when you're new age, smarter than their own good people, God's the universe. No, he's not. God is not the universe, he is distinct from the universe. He made the universe. He created the universe. And he created it by speaking. Hebrews eleven 3. I'll only be there a moment, but you're welcome to turn over there with me. For those of you who want to question me about gap theory, and if you don't know what gap theory is, don't worry about it. Just don't worry about it. But there are a handful of people who are going to talk to me about gap theory. Hebrews eleven three clears up your gap theory that God needed matter to create. He did not. Hebrews 11, three, here's what it says. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. God spoke it into existence so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Big word for you. Ex nihilo. From nothing. God created from nothing. Now for you philosophers going okay, well where did God come from? He is the uncaused cause. God is not a created being, God is. And that's the presumption of Genesis 1:1. Now, next week, hope you'll come back. We're going to delve into creation and what we need to understand about God and ourselves as a result of it. Fourth and final point, the good news of the living God who reigns? This is what creation tells us. Creation tells us that this is the good news of the God who reigns. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. There can simply be no good news without a living God who created the universe. This is the basis in which we're building here. Turn with me to Isaiah. The prophet Isaiah is consumed with this idea. Here's two examples, Isaiah 48, 12. Listen to me, O Jacob, and Israel whom I called. I am he. I am. I am he. I am the first and I am the last. My hand laid the foundation of the earth and my right hand spread out the heavens. When I called to them, they stand forth together. That means when God said, let there be light, there was light. When God speaks, it, there is. Now, turn to Isaiah 52, seven, just a couple pages. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who bring good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who is, publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God saves. Is that what it says? Now what does it say? You're God what? Now track with me here. Does God save? Yes, he saves. Yes, God saves. But here's the good news. We don't just go to the nations and say, God saves. Here's where we gotta start, friend. You gotta start right here. God reigns. There is a God and he reigns. This is good news. I butchered this quote a little bit last week. Abraham Kuyper, there is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine, mine. He created the heavens and the earth. And God's sovereign rule that he is the God who reigns over the heavens and the earth is essential to our understanding of the gospel. So I'll lead to the so what now. Now everybody look up here for a second because I need to help you. And I try not to do this anyway. Sometimes I explain myself here and sometimes I don't, but today I need to. So people think application of a sermon is tell me something to do. So what do I need to do? So what kind of application we going to come up here? You need to go create something? I mean, we got to be careful here. The application from Genesis 1-1 is what we should believe. And what I want to do now is to help you see the connection between Genesis 1-1 and the rest of the Bible. First. Genesis 1 1 lays the foundation for the Christian faith. Go ahead and get ahead of me and turn over to Ephesians. It lays the foundation for the Christian faith. Now, prior to me walking with Jesus, when I would see a sign on a church or a bumper sticker on a car or a t shirt, somebody would have this on their t shirt. Uh, This was pre bracelet days, Those, those hadn't come about yet. But you had the t shirts and the bumper stickers and the signs some some places you had neon signs jesus second word saves and you know what i would say every time i would see that from what to which you would say from why why would you do that and I'm gonna, I'm gonna be honest with you. I had a bunch of dumbfounded Christians who would just look at me like, it's a legitimate question. In fact, it's a foundational question. Why? Why would he do that? Why would he, why would he save me from my sins? Look here, Ephesians chapter two, verse 19. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. Here's what a lot of you are doing in your evangelism. You're grabbing the cornerstone and trying to establish that with people when there's no foundation. So when I was adding on to my house, the inspector failed our foundation and I was mad because it was slowing me down. Hey man, dude, come on. I mean, it took me days to get this guy here to pour this thing and now you failing and I got to start over. He said, do you want your house to fall in? Okay. Thank you very much. I'll have him back tomorrow. (laughs) Folks, there's gotta be a place for the cornerstone This is the block in which you you start the building. There's got to be a place for the cornerstone to be laid. And Genesis 1-1 is a part of and a crucial part of that foundation. That in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, this is happening right now while I'm preaching. There's some young people who are just cynically rolling their eyes at me. It's been happening the whole sermon. Because here's what's swept out from under their feet. Genesis 1-1. Science. Velocity grabbed it and jerked it out from underneath him. So Jesus is irrelevant. He's totally irrelevant. There's no basis for him. We can get up here and holler, get saved, get saved. Jesus saves. This is crucial. That there is a God, and this God created. Without both the foundation and the cornerstone, there's nothing to build on. This leads to me to a second point. Genesis 1-1 is crucial for our understanding of Jesus Christ. Turn to John 1-1, growth group leaders, relax, relax. You're doing that saying the pastor's about to take my lesson, nope. Here's what I'm doing, I'm setting it up. I'm setting up the first question. If they sit and stare at you on the first question, I'm sorry, I tried. Now listen to me, let me say a word about growth groups while you're turning. The reason we mirror growth groups with the material with the sermon is so that you have a place to flesh out not just hear it repeated again what you're supposed to believe but to flesh out your struggles your questions your confusions your needs for clarification this, this, this ought to be a place here's what ought to happen in growth groups this week there ought to be people over the next two weeks who are confessing how much evolutionary thought has affected your view of Christianity? Should. It's the air you breathe. It's the world you live in. Now, watch this. It was free. It was just a commercial. Now we're back. Now, I'm not the sharpest dude but I kind of get it when I read Genesis, I mean, John 1, 1. In the beginning. You think that's significant? It it just might be. It might be super significant. We're We're now connecting. This is why I say Genesis is a part of the Christian Bible. In the beginning was the word. and the word, was with God and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. So that means Jesus Christ is God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. And those of you going, okay, I thought the Father created. If you'll study your Bible closely, you'll see that the Trinity, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are involved in the creation. That again is a sidebar. Verse 14 the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory, the glory of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. So this same language in Genesis one is used in John one to establish to us that Jesus is God, that Jesus is creator, that Jesus is fully God and fully man. Therefore, therefore he is the worthy and ready sacrifice. Okay, growth truth leaders, I'm done. I'm moving on now. Genesis 1 1 is crucial to our understanding of why Jesus Christ came and died. It's crucial. 1 Peter 3 18. 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 18. For Christ also suffered once for sins the righteous for the unrighteous. Fully God, fully man. He was the perfect sacrifice. He was the righteous sacrifice who died in our place, the unrighteous, and he took our sin upon himself on the cross. He died for us. Question, why? Why does Jesus save? So I'm not just a cynic asking a question. The Bible has an answer. It's beautiful. Here's the answer that he might bring us to God. So the Bible starts with God. It's a story about God. It reveals that God created man, man sinned against God, and as a result, man falls short of what? The glory of God He's now separated from God. But while we were still separated with God, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Why? So we go to heaven? Is that why? So we get wealthy and healthy in this life? Is that why? He died to bring us to God. This is a rather lengthy quote. I'm going to tell you it's from... John Piper's book, "God Is the Gospel." This is—there is are some things you read in life that are just paradigm-shifting moments for you, just necessary moments. Until the gospel events of Good Friday and Easter, and the gospel promises of justification and eternal life lead you to behold and embrace God Himself as your highest joy, you have not embraced the gospel. See so what he's saying? Until believing and embracing the gospel because it's you to understand that you have embraced God as your highest joy, then you have not yet embraced the gospel. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. The way this gospel is preached in this part of the world and the way it is responded to is to stay out of what? Hell. It's to avoid something, not to get to something. It may be to get to something, but here's what it's not preached as, to get to someone. Until you embrace God himself as your highest joy, you have not embraced the gospel. You have embraced some of his gifts. You have rejoiced over some of his rewards. You have marveled at some of his miracles but you have not been awakened to why the gifts, the rewards, and the miracles have come. They have come for one great reason, that you might behold the glory of God in Christ and by beholding become the kind of person who delights in God above all things and by delighting display his supreme beauty and worth with an ever-increasing brightness and bliss forever. Now don't miss this last sentence. People who would be happy in heaven if Christ were not there will not be there. People who would be happy in heaven if Christ were not there will not be there. The gospel is not a way to get people to heaven. It is a way to get people to God. when we go to the pagans, we don't land the ship and jump out and say, Jesus saves, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. There's no point of reference for that. We first must establish in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Missionaries call it creation to Christ you got to lay down the story, friend, and hear me. Everybody look up here and listen to me. you got to lay down the story and good old Gastonia, on you. Because you got men and women walking around this town that do not know, they do not know that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, that he is God and that he rules and reigns. And you know what I know is true? There are people in this room right now hoping and trusting in a, a false gospel. You know what the false gospel looks like? I can get myself to God. I've got everything else I ever wanted in life. That's why I'm at church today. Pretty good person. I'm about to put an offering in the offering plate. Watch this. Show you how good I am. Listen to me. This Bible teaches you. You are not God. And you cannot get to God on your own. This Bible shows you right away, and we're going to get there right away in Genesis chapter 3, that you need a Savior to bring you to God. And that Savior is Jesus Christ, our Lord. I don't know if you're humbled today. I, I don't know. I don't know what the spirit of God is doing in your life, but I'm going to tell you what this preparation for this sermon has done to me. It has humbled me deeply. It didn't happen this week. This happened several years ago for me, decades ago, when I realized the Bible wasn't about me. Not about me. It's about God. God. Praise God that he made himself known and he's provided a way that I and you can know God. Let's pray. Lord, I plead on behalf of the men and women who gathered in this room. I plead for the ones, Lord, who have suppressed the truth. Who have suppressed the truth with all kinds of means to avoid dealing with the simple truth of who you are and what you have done. Spirit of God, I pray that you would crush false thinking, false philosophy, that you will crush the desire for sin and that you will make yourself known in the hearts and lives of men and women in this room. And Lord, I pray for the brothers and sisters who are being built on the cornerstone who is Christ through salvation in Christ alone. I pray that now That they will confess together and that they will recognize together that it is your breath in our lungs. That when you look at this universe and say, Mine, that includes me. We're yours. You have not only made us, you have bought us with a price. We are yours. So may your people now rise and worship you in spirit and in truth, I plead. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this audio presentation from Parkwood Baptist Church, located in Gastonia, North Carolina. Please feel free to share this message with others. For more information about Parkwood Baptist Church, visit parkwoodonline.org. That's parkwoodonline.org.